Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. I think um, you know we we we're, we're here. Uh, we gather on Sunday mornings because we want to follow Jesus. We want to worship Jesus, and we desire as a community to follow Him. This is why we get together. We want to encourage each other to do that. And I don't know about you guys, but testimonies encourage me to follow Jesus, to pursue Him, and. I know that I, I'm gathered here with a group of people that sincerely want to mature. Like, you, you really want to grow. And you really want to be Christ-like. You want to be like Him. And if you've been following Jesus for any period of time, you know that that's not necessarily easy to be Christ-like. A lot of the things that He told us were very simple in theory and very difficult in application. Love your enemies. It's a pretty simple concept really difficult. And I I do want to say to you, though, that the reason that this Christian life is not easy is because we have enemies. We are engaged in war. And um, you've probably, to some degree, been woken up to that this morning. That passage that Uh, Noel read out of Ephesians tells us that there's actually a war going on. There's three things the Bible tells us that are completely opposed to you becoming like Jesus. There's three things that want to stunt your growth. There's three things that want to steal your peace and your joy. And the Bible describes them as um, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And um, the world is a mindset. When the Bible talks about worldliness, it's talking about a mindset. And the mindset of someone who's worldly says this, uh, what you see is what is real. Worldliness is a mindset that believes that the here and now is all there is. There's nothing more than what's concrete. There's nothing more than what's material. Nothing more than appearance. There's nothing more than image. Um, Material is what is real. Right now is what is real. The flesh, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not talking about your body. It's actually talking about our selfishness and our desire to be God. You want to call your own shots, you want to live for your own glory. You don't want to submit your life to his lordship or submit your life to others. The flesh is opposed to you growing um, and maturing to be more like Christ. And then there is a devil. We believe in the reality of Satan and demons at this church. Um, And we believe that because Jesus believed that and, and taught that. And if you're here and you don't believe in the reality of Satan and demons, I I would like you to consider that you're actually in the minority. 
that people throughout history have believed in the reality of Satan and demons, and around the world today, people believe in the reality of Satan and demons. And most, um, the thing that I kept thinking about this week is that our problems stem. If you're here and you're, you're facing something, um, maybe you're dealing with depression, anxiety, there's trouble in your life. Our, our, our problems stem from a combination of all three of those things. A lot of times I think pastors, churches, people want to reduce it to one of those things. Is it the world? Is it your flesh? Is it the devil? And the truth is, is that it's all three. They work together. And the reason for your trouble, the reason for your depression, the reason for your anxiety, as we talked about last week, is pretty complex because of it. The world, as you know, shows us commercials, right? And after you've seen about a thousand of these commercials, you decide that if you're going to be attractive, you need to look like that person. And you decide that if you're going to be successful, that you need to have what that person has. Now, what the world uh, communicates to us, really, when, that, when our flesh takes hold of that, we do some really interesting things with that. Because our flesh takes a hold of that and uh, does all kinds of things. Drive you to eating disorders drive you to be sexually active before you're ready, drive you towards greed, uh, drive you towards uh, neglecting the important things of life. And then the enemy comes along, and he's part of this equation as well. It's all three. And the word Satan actually means prosecutor. And his job is not to tempt you. I really don't think that the enemy attempts you. His job is to accuse you. The world puts the hook out there and baits the hook and our flesh lunges for what's being put before us, what we're being tempted with. And then the enemy's right there to accuse you, to prosecute you. And what he says is, I thought you were a Christian. And his goal is to get you focused on yourself, get you focused on your sin, and to get your attention off of your Savior. And so these things work together, the world, the flesh, the devil. You have enemies, things that are opposed to your growth and maturity in Christ. And what I've found is that intellectual Christians always think it's the world. The intellectual Christians that I know are always telling me it's because people are worldly and aren't thinking biblically. The legalistic Christians that I know are always telling me that it's the flesh And what we need are more rules in place because people's flesh is out of control. The legalistic Christians think it's your flesh. The charismatic Christians, they think it's the devil. Everything's the devil, you know? It needs to be cast out, you know? And here's the truth. Here's the truth. It's all three. The world, the flesh, and the devil. It's not one without the other. It's all three of those things working together to keep you from enjoying peace and joy and an abundant life in Christ. There was a couple points that I wanted to make briefly this morning, and the first was just this. You're at war. You're at war. 
Second Corinthians 3 says this, For though we live in the world, we not, do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In this war, we capture thoughts. We see if they line up with God's thoughts. And if they don't line up with God's thoughts, we crucify those thoughts. This is what we do in this war that we're engaged in. We are at war. The second thing I wanted to tell you is that the battleground is your mind. This is where the fight goes on. This is where the war rages. Jesus was crucified on Golgotha, if you remember. And Golgotha, the hill that he was crucified, is actually called the place of the skull. It's really interesting that Jesus claimed the ultimate victory in the place of the skull. And if we're, we're going to be victorious as Christians, we're going to have to have victory in the place of the skull. Am I right? The Bible puts a huge emphasis on your thought life. A huge emphasis on your thought life. You've been told before probably that you are what you eat. The Bible actually preaches that you are what you think. Proverbs, you've probably heard this passage before, says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our actions are a direct result of our thoughts. And what I find at church is that we're trying to govern people's actions without first dealing with the wrong thoughts that birth those wrong actions. It's right thoughts that give way to right actions. Some of you are trying to change the way you behave. You're trying desperately to change the way you behave. And I want to tell you this morning that what lies at the root of the way that you behave is what you believe. And what needs to change is what you believe if you're going to change the way you behave. But somehow in church we get so focused on behavior and, 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 and we don't realize that the battle is here in our minds. That right thinking gives birth to these um, right action. This is a really interesting passage in Ephesians 4. I'm only going to go for 10 more minutes. Stick with me. Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Paul writes, Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, uh, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. So verse 22 is very clear. Put off the old. The old needs to go. Verse 24 says this, And put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, in true righteousness and holiness. So verse 22 says, Get rid of the old. Verse 24 says, Take on the new. And the bridge, the scripture that connects getting rid of something and taking on something new reads like this, And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. We, um, we get from acting improperly to acting properly by being renewed in our minds. Romans 12, you guys have heard it before. I'll just remind, it, remind you of it again this morning. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your right action follows right thinking. We think 
approximately 45,000 thoughts a day. Sometimes we're very aware of what we're thinking. Right now, I'm very aware of what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm intentional about what I'm thinking because I know that I need to communicate. I know when I'm in an argument, I'm very aware of what I'm thinking. But you're probably not so aware as you're sitting there because you're not in a place where you're having to communicate. And trust me, if you saw me on some, you know, lonely drive to Bakersfield, I wouldn't have such a handle on my thoughts. But sometimes we're really active and we're actually shaping our thoughts. Right now, I'm shaping my thoughts. But how many know there are times where your thoughts shape you? Sometimes we have conversations. Other times conversations have us. And Paul seems to be suggesting to us in Philippians that we can actually shape our thoughts. That we can actually choose what we think on. That we're not a victim to what's going on. We are responsible. Uh, Jesus has given this, this incredible gift of salvation. But it doesn't free us from the responsibility of renewing our minds. Paul writes in the passage that we're going to look at today, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice... And the God of peace will be with you. Coming back to uh, this passage in... If I can find the passage. Coming back to this passage in 2 Corinthians. Let me just stop and share where we're at. We, one, we're in a war. Got it? Two, our enemy is Satan, the world, and our flesh. Got it? Three, our mind is where this battle takes place. Four, Satan tries to establish strongholds in our minds. I'll read the passage again. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. A stronghold is a fortified dwelling used as a means of protection. In the Old Testament, King David actually hid from Saul in strongholds that were caves that were high on a mountainside. They were difficult to assault. And it's with this in mind, Paul tells us that we can actually have strongholds in our mind. That we can actually create a house of thoughts. That we can actually create a place for the enemy to dwell in our thought life. That he's actually seeking to establish strongholds in your mind. Our thought patterns and our ideas can serve as a fortress for our adversary. He can find refuge in our thoughts and we can actually give him a place when there's a pattern of thinking that's established in our lives. 
And this is what's kind of interesting is I, 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 I've noticed in my own life and in others that the difficult thing about strongholds is that they do provide safety at first and then they become a prison. So that cave becomes a safe place to hide at first. But then all of a sudden we're bound and we're in bondage to this way of thinking. I think a great example of that is when there has been abuse. And what you decide when there's been abuse is that men can't be trusted. And now all of a sudden it's got, you're, now all of a sudden you're married. And all of a sudden that mantra isn't working so well. At first it was a safe place to hide. At first it was a refuge. At first it was a cave that you ran into. And now you're stuck in this way of thinking because there's a stronghold that's been established in your life because you've said it over and over again and a rut's been established. Men can't be trusted. Men can't be trusted. We say it over and over again. And it actually creates a place for the enemy to wreak havoc in our lives. Whatever it is, fear... You know, just like an injury, if there was an injury in my life, it would make sense to isolate it, not to move it. But at a certain point, if I've broken my arm, it's time to rehab it by beginning to move it again. But if I'm continuing to rehearse, I'm hurt, this is why, I can't move it, I can't move it, I can't move it, I can't move it. You know, obviously, there, there comes a time where that, you know, that way of thinking is not actually helping us, it's hurting us. It's keeping us from fullness, it's keeping us from life. And there are strongholds in your mind that the enemy that has established. um, We can be held in bondage because of a certain way of thinking, a pattern of thinking. A stronghold is a place where sinful and demonic activity are actually defended within us by sympathetic thoughts towards evil. Some of us are here, we have strongholds of fear and anxiety. Some of us have strongholds of unforgiveness. You've thought something over and over again. You've got a stronghold of rejection. There's a place that you've made. A house made of thoughts. And the enemy's able to wreak havoc in your life because of it. This passage in Corinthians says that a stronghold's anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's a secure place of influence in a person's life. When there's ongoing sin in our lives, Scripture says that we give the enemy a foothold. Paul uses in Ephesians 4 the word foothold. And I asked Peter Amend if I could borrow some of his holds for rock climbing. And this is, this is actually what Paul's talking about. If there's ongoing sin, patterns, ways of thinking in you that don't line up with what God has, the enemy has a foothold. He now has something to hold on to. There's a place of leverage in your life. He now has access because of it. I love this because if you remember Jesus' standing trial... He says, he says, the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. There's nothing for him to grab onto. There are no footholds in me. And I don't know if during the testimonies, 
If during the testimonies, maybe people were sharing things that, you know, struck a chord for you, you're thinking to yourself, I've experienced that. I feel that way. Um, That's been true for me. And maybe as I've been uh, talking about strongholds, different things are being revealed to you where you've thought the same thing over and over again for quite some time. And now when Paul says to us, hey, think this way, we're unable to because we're bound. We've constantly been thinking a certain way. And what I wanted to do is just provide an opportunity for those. I'm going to ask actually... um, I didn't feel like it was fair last week to talk about fear and anxiety and then just tell you to get over it. (laughs) Just stop. You know, and you're like, oh, sweet. I've been trying to stop for 40 years. I want to ask you to consider the possibility that there's a stronghold that's been established in your life. There's a pattern. There's a habit. And now the enemy has access to your life because of it. The good news is, as Paul says, we got weapons to demolish strongholds, to, to, to tear down everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And those weapons are the word of God. We'll, we'll lift up the truth over your life. The weapons of, uh, of prayer, praise, repentance, forgiveness. These are the weapons we use to tear down these strongholds in our life. And I know that the group that went down um, has experienced something really cool. And they're going to be our ministry team this morning. Because God's doing something in their lives and setting them free. And so I'm just going to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're, you're here and you're like, I have a stronghold of fear and anxiety in my life. My thoughts are constantly consumed with fear. I'm actually medicated because of panic attacks. I would invite you to receive prayer this morning and to tear down strongholds, which might involve forgiveness, repentance, might involve just lifting up the truth of God's word over your life. If you've got a stronghold of rejection, I mean, you've been thinking, I'll be rejected for 20 years. And there's a stronghold that's been established in your life. I would invite you to get prayer. We'll pray over you. We'll lift up the truth of God's word that you're accepted. That you're a part of the family of God. You might have a stronghold of pride in your life. You're critical. You're judgmental. And the pride might be the first stronghold to go because I'm going to ask you to stand up and walk forward. Which is a blow to your pride. No, I'm good. I got it. I don't need anything. I'm fine. Got this. Read that. Know that. Yeah, there's a war. I know. You know. There's a stronghold in your life of unforgiveness. You've been rehearsing the hurt that happened to you over and over again for I don't know how many years. But a stronghold gets established, and that needs to be torn down. The house of thoughts that you've created that now is a place where the enemy has access to your life, needs to be torn down. The foothold needs to be removed. He has leverage and he has access to you and your life because of the place that you've given him. The team that went to cleansing streams, would you guys come up? 
Would you guys stand kind of facing the group that's gathered here? And Sean, would you come? This is the cool part about being a part of a church is that when something cool happens for somebody else, uh, we get to enjoy it. And we get to experience it as well because we're connected as a church. And so I'm going to pray. And if you need prayer because you know there's a stronghold in your life, you know there's a pattern of thinking, a way of thinking that you can't break out of. That when Paul says to think this way, you think to yourself, there's no way. I'm completely stuck in my thinking. I'm going to ask you to come forward and receive prayer. And this isn't, they're not going to take this personally if you choose someone over the other. This isn't like a high school dance where you have to approach a person and someone gets to dance and somebody doesn't. They'll probably be somewhat relieved that they don't have to pray for you. But we're just going to worship together. You can enjoy his presence. We're going to proclaim the truth. And if you know today there's a stronghold in your life, there's a pattern of thinking that needs to be broken, there's a rut that's been created, uh, come forward and get some prayer. You can share it. Share it with the person who's praying for you and over you, and they will proclaim the truth. They'll pray. They'll ask you to repent, maybe to forgive. And you can go home free. Let's pray together. Like I said, feel free to stay and linger. And also feel free to be bold and come forward. Jesus, we want to love you with our whole minds. We want to have the mind of Christ. And where there's strongholds in our lives, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would expose the wrong ways of thinking. Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict us this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd reveal Jesus to us and continue to breathe life into this church. We love you. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your commitment to us, Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time.